0: Let's look at um, verse number 1. The Bible says, O oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence, as when, the mountain, as when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence." When thou didst terrible things, which we looked not for, thou camest down, the mountains flowed down at thy presence. The, the author here, Isaiah, he is asking for God to send a revival. He's asking for God to show his power and his strength anew. And so that brings us to the title of our Bible study tonight, and I think one that each of us should consider for our own hearts personally. Here it is, a prayer for revival. We need to ask God to revive our hearts. How many of you are like me? Sometimes you go through a a, a lull spiritually and uh, your walk with God isn't what it used to be or what it ought to be. And uh, we we maybe are in that process of going backwards for the Lord, not forward for the Lord. Or maybe you're like that boat who got disconnected from uh, harbor and you've just kind of floated out to sea and you're not where you ought to be, a heart for revival. And we're going to talk about that tonight as we look at this passage. Let's pray. Lord God, would you help me as I preach and speak and teach? Lord God, help um, each one here to have hearts that are attentive and uh, Lord ready to receive these verses. We know that there isn't a word in the Scripture that returns void. And, Lord, each verse matters. Each word of each, each verse matters. Each letter of each word matters. So, Lord, God, help us to take it in and, God, uh, just uh, re- renew and refresh us with the Word. And, Lord, help us to walk toward this idea of revival tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Isaiah, you may be seated. Isaiah is nearing the end of his lengthy book, And we said uh, way, way back when we got to chapter 39 that the book of Isaiah can be broken up into two sections. You have the first 39 chapters that uh, revolve around the present time in Israel. The last 27, they look forward to Babylonian captivity and then deliverance. And uh, here he is getting near the end of the book. He's talked about the punishment of God on the Israelites. And he's talked about a time of great sorrow and great despair and as this, these thoughts uh, uh, began to steal his heart and hurt his heart, he begins to call out and moan for a time where God will come back and show himself strong and real. And I don't know about you, but I want the presence of God to be very real. I want it to be much felt in my life. I don't want to be a man... I preached about having a religion of relationship last Sunday evening... I don't want to be a man who's religious and that's it. I want to be a man who, who, who feels God's presence in my life. I want to be a man who, who, who doesn't just go through the motions, but knows God in a very real way, has a relationship with Him. And I want that presence to be felt day in and day out. And here, uh, the author is saying, I, I want to see God's power again. I want to see it anew. David wrote in Psalm 85, verse 6, he said, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? That idea of revival, of I've allowed some sins to creep back in my life. I've allowed some complacency to come back in my life. I used to be marching forward for the Lord, and then I've sort of slid backwards, and uh, we need revival. Can I say that we need revival in our world? We need revival in our world. You can go around the world and you can point to each region of the world at a time where uh, the Jehovah God was worshipped and Jehovah God uh, was known and people were saved. You can go to England and you can go to Germany and you can go to Ireland. and uh, You can go all over Europe and find where at one time there were Bible believers who believed in God. You can go to the Middle East and find a time in much of those regions where uh, the Word of God was preached and people believed in the Lord. You, you can go to Asia. You can look at a time even in a country like China where the Word of God went forth and people believed. Uh, you can go to Africa and you can see that there are various countries where the Word of God was heralded forth and preached and people believed and trusted in the Lord you come here to this country and down into Mexico and up into Canada all of North America there was a time where the word of God was preached and people were saved and revival was felt, you go down to South America and you can see even down there uh, where the word of God was preached strong but all over our world, regions of our world we have forgotten about the God of the Bible and even in places where folks still go to church oftentimes uh, that Christianity that faith has grown stale and tired and cold and our world needs a revival. Can I say tonight, our country needs a revival. Uh, You can't help but walk around Washington, D.C., as I have dozens of times, and read the words etched into the monuments and see that the founding fathers of our country, while all of them did not believe in God, uh, and not all of the ones that believed in God believed in them exactly the way we did, uh, there was a deep reverence and respect for a divine being. And there was a belief that He helped us establish this country. In fact, if you look at the main monuments that were established when Washington, D.C. was built, you can look at them from an aerial view and see that they were put there in the shape of a cross, signifying the belief of our nation. And uh, now it is hard to even uh, open up a Bible or pray to open up a courtroom or a state legislature anymore and to pray in Jesus' name. and you look around not only at our government, but you look at many of our churches and the Word of God is not taught, the Word of God is not preached, Uh, the Word of God is not heralded forth. Men get up and give their opinion, but they don't teach the Bible. We need a revival in our country. But not only do we need a revival in our nation and a revival in our country, we need a revival in our homes. How many marriages in our church actually take time to, to read their Bible together as a husband and wife or to get together and pray with one another once a day or even once a week. How how many families in our church with children take the time to gather together for prayer before they send the kids to bed or at least when they wake up in the morning where that spiritual unity is had and felt. We bring our kids to church and we let everyone else teach our kids how to be spiritual, but we ourselves are not taking the time to lead in those ways. We come to church and listen to a sermon preached and we maybe shake our head up and down, but we go home, men, and we're not leading our families in prayer. We're not leading our families in a time of Bible reading and and we need revival in our marriages. We need revival in our homes. We we need revival not only in our world and in our nation and in our homes. We need revival in our own personal hearts. Can I say that's where it begins? Right there is where you get up and you read your Bible and you get down on your knees and you pray and you begin to commit things unto the Lord so that your ways and your thoughts can be established. Take your Bibles to Second Chronicles chapter seven with me, second chronicles chapter seven, a verse that is commonly read and quoted in the verse I had memorized by the time I was just a young teenage boy because I had heard it read and quoted so many times in church that it just happened on its own but a verse that is all the same of great importance and here in 2nd Chronicles 7 Solomon is dedicating the temple in a lengthy prayer and he talks about when God's people fall away and bring God's wrath upon them because their hearts have waxen cold wax cold toward truth and toward God and that relationship is fallen off and now they're under the punishing hand of God. Look at verse 14 of 2nd Chronicles 7. Solomon says, "If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, look what happens when we humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face and Turn from our wicked ways. Then the Bible says, will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land? How many homes need to be healed? Let's back up a step. How many broken hearts need to be healed? How many marriages are fractured or uh, uh, relationships with children are fractured that need to be healed? I spent an hour and a half on the phone with a pastor yesterday in another part of the country who is on the verge of resigning his church because the church is, uh, is is fighting and he's doing everything he can to bring unity. He's a new pastor there and he walked into a difficult situation and that church wants to split right down the middle and he's trying to bring unity to the church, but he's getting attacked in the process. How many churches in our country are hurting and need to be healed. Our country, oh, it surely needs to be healed. Our world needs to be healed. We need revival. The formula for revival is laid out right here in Second Chronicles 7. It begins with this word, humility. Humility. You know what? The number one reason is that we don't see revival because we're filled with selfishness and pride. You will never get on your knees and pray until you get rid of your pride. You will never get on your knees and confess your faults until you first get rid of your pride. You will never ever seek God's face until you get rid of your pride. You will not turn from your wicked ways until you get rid of your pride. And as long as we are filled with pride and we're filled with prayerlessness uh, and 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 we're and we're neglecting the face of God and we're 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 full of sinful ways we're never going to hear from heaven we're never going to have our land healed our hearts healed our homes healed revival comes when God's people learn to turn from their pride embrace humility and become people of great prayer Isaiah chapter 64, we find the prophet calling out for revival. He's asking for God's power to be shown. He's asking uh, for uh, healing to take place. He's asking uh, for God to renew and restore Israel. And in this chapter, we find these elements of revival uh, right here for us. Let's jump in tonight. If you have a bulletin there, you'll have a fill-in-the-blank outline and From Sunday morning sermon about remembering the words of the Lord, boy, we sure need to fill out that outline to help get it from our sensory memory into our long-term memory. Let's jump in here tonight. Number one, notice a desire for God's power. A desire for God's power. Look back with me at verse number one and see how the prophet cries out for God to show His power. Oh, that Thou wouldest rend the heavens, that Thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at Thy presence, as when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make Thy name known to Thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at Thy presence, when Thou didst terrible things. And when we see that word terrible in the King James Bible, it doesn't mean our modern definition. It means great and, and powerful, great and wonderful. When Thou didst great and... Wonderful or terrible things which we look not for. Thou camest down, the mountains flowed down at thy presence. Notice letter A, the past revisited. The past revisited. Take your Bibles back to Ezekiel, or rather Exodus. Excuse me, Exodus chapter number nineteen. The uh, the author here, Isaiah, he's remembering back the story of when God showed His power greatly in the mountains. There, fascinating enough. If you travel over to Saudi Arabia, you can find Mount Sinai where the law was given, and if you go to where Mount Sinai is, what you'll find is that the top of the mountain is charred, and if you flip those rocks over on the other side, they are not charred. Uh, you can see where the fire of God fell down on that mountain. We'll read about it here in Exodus 19, where the fire of God fell down on that mountain, and the top of that mountain to this day is black. It's black from where the fire charred uh, the the rock that was there and the presence of God sat on that mountain as God met with Israel and then gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. Look down at verse 16 and at Exodus 19.16 it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were Thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled and Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the nether part of the mount and Mount Sinai was all on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace and the whole mount Quaked greatly, and when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake and God answered him by a voice, and the Lord came down upon the Mount Sinai on the top of the Mount, and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the Mount, and Moses went up. What a visual! What a visual! Here Isaiah is referencing back to a time where God's power was evidently seen by all of the Israelites. They stood there, and God came down in the form of a great fire and sat there on the mount. And He called out in a way that shook the whole earth. And uh, the Israelites feared God in this chapter and told Moses, they said, we are afraid of this. Uh, You go up and speak with the Lord for us. And, And God said, it is a good thing of what they ask and surely you should come up and he did and God would give him the law the Ten Commandments there and Isaiah is saying we need the power of God to be put on display again. So how does this relate to me and you? Letter B, notice the present realized. Turn over to Acts chapter number 1. For me, Acts chapter number one. Now, here in uh, the New Testament, the New Covenant in which we live, we're not looking for Jehovah God to fall down upon a mountain and for the earth to shake and quake and uh, for us to see the thunder and the lightning and the smoke and the fire, but. Uh, we do have a power of God that evidently has fallen on earth that can be realized by us church age saints today look at Acts chapter 1 and look at verse number 4 we find here the disciples getting ready to have the Lord ascend to heaven the Bible says and being assembled together with them commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem this is Jesus commanding but wait for the promise of the Father which saith he ye have heard of me for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized or consumed or filled with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him saying. Lord wilt thou at that time restore again the kingdom of Israel and as I have pointed out before the Israel are the Jews here the disciples are gathered with Jesus and he says to them uh, I want you to go into Jerusalem and I want you to wait and the holy ghost is going to come upon you and they ask him a question involving politics When will Israel reign supreme again? Look at the answer of the Lord as they ask a political question. Verse 7, And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. So when it comes to politics, and it comes to world leaders and world rulers, You don't need to worry about those things. That is under the hand and the power of God. Rather, verse 8, but, and here's the, here's that power that we're to pray for. But ye shall receive power. When, when is it that we receive power? Look at verse 8 with me. Look there. Ye shall receive power when after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. So when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, disciples, you will know the power of God. Is it going to be in the form of fire descending on a mountain and the mountain melting and and, and, and great, great thunder and great lightning and a loud voice? No, not anymore. How is it realized? It's realized by the Holy Ghost. Coming upon you. The present realize, we do not live in the Old Testament where God, uh, the Father comes down in the form of a fire on a mountain. No, we live in the New Testament where the power of God comes down upon us where the Holy Ghost indwelling us. It, and I know, I, I know everyone in this room, I've had one-on-one conversations with everybody in this room that's here tonight and 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 I believe everyone in this room here tonight to be a born-again believer. Everyone in here tonight has given me a testimony, one-on-one, of being a born-again believer. Do you know what that means? That means that you have the Holy Ghost power within you. You, realizing the present, know what it means to have the capacity of God's great power inside of you. Now, just because the Holy Ghost indwells you, does not mean that that power is flowing through you. Hey, church, can I just be honest? Most Christians will never experience the power of God, not one iota in their life. It's like having a Lamborghini or Ferrari sit in your driveway and you never even put the key in the ignition and turn it. You never do. Because we have the Holy Ghost but we don't utilize the Holy Ghost because we walk in the flesh instead of walking in the Spirit. And when we walk in the flesh, the Holy Spirit wants nothing to do with that. Letter C, notice God's presence renewed. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. What we need is not just the Holy Ghost to indwell us, we need the Holy Ghost to be in charge inside of us. Almost every day of my life, I wish I could say every day, but almost every day of my life, I pray a prayer that sounds something like this, Holy Spirit of God, kick me off the throne of my heart. You sit there and call the shots. You be in charge. You control my emotions. You control how I respond. I want you to call the shots. I don't want to call the shots anymore. And you know what I have to do every day? I have to kick me back off the throne because I naturally want to climb back up there and be in charge. I want to respond to the flesh. And I want to act in the flesh. And I want to be in the flesh. And so do you. Because that's natural. But what we need is to be renewed of the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 26. Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. So you need to break free from that anger bondage. Verse 28, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor so when the Holy Ghost is in charge you're not angry right you're dismissing that anger you're not letting the sun go down upon your wrath you're you're letting the love and joy and forgiveness of God flow through you when the Holy Ghost is in charge you're not stealing uh, from company time or you're not stealing uh, from your taxes you're not uh, you're not defrauding someone financially no you're working hard and paying your bills based on uh, the income that you've earned honestly and fairly look at 29 let no Corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. So instead of cursing and complaining and uh, uh, gossiping, no. Uh, instead, you are uh, edifying that it may minister grace under the ear. Now look at verse 30. Because verse 30 is central to this behavior. Look here. And, and, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed under the day of redemption. So what happens here when we when we are angry and when we're in the flesh and we're taking that which doesn't belong to us and we're complaining and we're taking God's name in vain and we're gossiping and and all of these things we're grieving the Holy Spirit of God. He's the power of God is not realized. the The power of God is not realized. Instead, the flaws of the flesh take over. Look at thirty one. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And I love the contrast from 26 to 32. 26 uh, uh, talks to us about anger uh, versus dismissing anger. And then you get into 28 and we have honesty versus thievery. And then we get into 29 and we have edifying speech versus corrupt speech. And then we get into 31 and we get uh, uh, inward turmoil versus 32, inward peace and be kind one to another tenderhearted forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Look at chapter 5 and look at verse 18. Chapter 5 verse 18. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. What's the rest of that verse say? But be filled with the spirit. But be filled with the, spirit. Filled with the spirit. How are you filled with the spirit? You're filled with the spirit by yielding your heart To the Holy Spirit of God to lead you. I'm going to keep saying this as long as I have a voice. Let me tell you something that's very hard for me and you. We're all adults in here. The older you get, the more true this is. It is hard for adults to change. It's hard. Most of us, when it comes to our character are pretty much who we were ten years ago. Now, it ought not be that way, but unfortunately for many of us it is. Can I just say tonight, can I say tonight that that ought not be true of a man or woman who's filled with the Spirit of God? Hey, I'm glad we serve a God who doesn't change. Amen? Amen? You and I ought to be people who change regularly and for the better. You want to realize the power of God on display? You want revival to fall and the power of God to be on display? Then you have to be willing to yield your heart to the Lord and so that power of God can flow in you and through you. Here the prophet says, melt the mountains and show your power anew. And I want God to show His power anew in my life. Number two, notice a decision to be patient. A decision... To be patient. Go back to Isaiah 64. Look with me at verse number four. Isaiah 64 and verse four. The prophet says, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear. Neither hath the eye seen, O God beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. We're going to look at this verse in the New Testament. Thou meetest him that rejoiceth and worketh Righteousness that those remember uh, that uh, those that remember thee and thy ways, because thou art wroth for we have sinned in uh, those in uh, we for we have sinned in those as continuance and we are saved. So we see back in verse four and somewhat here in verse five the idea of waiting on the Lord, waiting on the Lord. And I, I've learned this that the Lord is never late; he's always right on time. How many of you have ever had God come through for you with a prayer at like the 11th hour? You know what I'm talking about? You got some need and you're like, man, I don't think this is going to happen. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know. And all of a sudden, whammo, the last moment God comes through. You all know what I'm talking about tonight? You ever had that happen? You know why God, and some of you didn't raise your hand, but you smiled at me. So I know you know what I'm talking about, right? You know why God does that? Because he's not on our schedule. You know what? We don't need God to get on our schedule. We need to get on God's schedule. Why do you think God waits to the last minute to come through? I'm going to tell you why I think it is. Because He's trying to grow your faith. He's trying to see if you actually trust Him. Remember when uh, Saul offered the sacrifice and disobeyed Samuel? You remember that story back in 1 Samuel? And uh, here came Samuel over the mount late in the day, and he says, What did you do? You know why he did that? Because he didn't have enough faith that Samuel would be where Samuel said. I've heard people say, Well, Samuel was late. No, he was not. He told him he'd be there at the day appointed. He didn't tell him what time of the day. And you know what? He maybe showed up late in the day, but he showed up that day. A lot of people, they get impatient waiting on the Lord to do something. Say I've been praying for revival and I've not seen it. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Keep on yielding. Keep on submitting. I've got this stubborn habit that just won't fall off. Keep on praying. Keep on yielding. Keep on submitting. I've got a problem relationship in my life where someone won't change and uh, they're hard to get along with and they're stubborn. And I've got an adult child who won't come under and be what they're supposed to be. I've got a relative who is cantankerous and hard to get along with. Keep on praying. Keep on submitting. Keep on yielding. Keep being patient. God's going to do something wonderful. Look with me in your Bible there at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And verse number six, and here we find, uh, uh, the prophet quoted and, and, and the language has changed just a little bit, but I believe the way it's changed enhances the truth, actually. Look at first Corinthians chapter two, verse six, howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the prince of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For uh, had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, here it is, "...I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared." For them that love Him. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of a man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God." Now, back in Isaiah chapter uh, 64, in verse number 4, the Bible says uh, that God hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. And then here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we see it's for him that loveth, love him. Now, here's what I want to drive at tonight, okay? You're not patient on some with someone you don't love. You're patient with someone that you do love. You with me? Alright? Um... As a dad with two kids, and I'm speaking to a bunch of you in here who have kids, or maybe you've already raised your kids. And look, just get your kids are raised, don't mean you doesn't mean you have to. This truth goes away, okay? I know when my kids are get older, I'll still have to follow the same principle. Patience with our children is a big thing. You know what I see? I see character flaws occasionally in my children, and I correct those. But you know what I am? I'm also patient. To let them come along and learn. you all understand that when they get to be adults, that doesn't stop. You have to continue to love them and be patient with them. That they learn and move along. Aren't you glad that God's patient with you? Aren't you glad that God loves you enough to be patient with you? How many you like me and you're hard-headed sometimes? Right? You got some sin habit, you just don't want to let go and... And aren't you glad God's patient with you over that? Amen? Don't you think maybe that we should be patient? You know, I prayed about that and God didn't give me what I wanted right away. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that waiteth on him or for him That loveth him. And so, for revival to happen, we need to have a strong desire for God's power in our life. We need to make a decision that we're going to be patient. Number three, notice here a declaration of sinful perversion. I'm going to save this one for uh, the next uh, time that uh, we meet here on Wednesday evening. And we're going to look at uh, number three and four. But look with me at verse six. Let's read verse six and seven, and uh, we'll get here. Uh, the humility of the prophet as he declares himself as, as wicked and sinful. He says, For we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee, for thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. I sometimes go uh, to the store and I just, I can't get, and I don't mean this in a judgmental way. I understand my spirit on this. I can't get past how how much people flaunt their wickedness. They just flaunt it. You know, I, I remember a day where, you know, if, if someone had a pornography problem, that was... Uh, that was taboo now you walk into a store and you'll see a young lady wearing a playboy bunny on her hoodie and they're flaunting this sin as if to say i'm proud to be a part of this our 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 culture they're they're not bent towards stirring up a love for god they're bent on defying god this this perversion in our culture. And I, I look around our culture and I look around at our country and I see that we're moving further and further and further away from a love of God. But then I look in our church and I see that we are getting more and more used to having a form of godliness, but not really truly being godly. We're going to talk about this uh, when we get back in Isaiah 64. And uh, we're going to talk about this sinful... Perversion, and we're going to look at some passages in the New Testament and also in Genesis that address this. So, uh, listen, for us to have revival, here's the here's the here's the closing thought. Yes, we need to pray for God's power. That's important. To pray for revival is to ask God for His power. And we need to be patient. But you know what else we need to do? We need to be very honest with ourselves over our own sinful perversion. We need to be willing to get on our knees and say, I am a man or woman of unclean lips. Even my righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Lord, I can't do this without you. There's that humility we talked about earlier. My prayer tonight is that you will indeed be a man or woman who declares yourself sinful before God and asks God to help you. Amen? Let's have some honesty and humility before God. All right, let's stand together. Let's keep digging into Isaiah 64. I hope you'll read through it and pray through it this week. Alright? Be an encouragement to someone this week. Hey, look at me here. Look at me. My mama used to say to me when I'd get out of the car in the morning on the way to school, she'd say, go on in there. She'd say, be kind to everyone because everyone is having a tough time. You know that's true, isn't it? How many of you... Um, need someone to be kind to you this week. Amen? That would encourage you. You go be the the bright light in someone else's life. Amen? Be encouragement to others. Love on people around you. Alright? Good. Hey, look look people in the eye. How many of you are like me? You like the self-checkout counter so you don't have to deal with people. You like me? Okay. Maybe this week at least once when you're in a store, go through the line with a, a cashier. Look at that cashier in the eye and ask them how they're doing. You know what I've started doing when I go to restaurants? I say to the waiter, I say, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm faithful to church. And I want to ask you something. Could I, could I pray for you? I'm going to pray for my food in just a moment. Could I pray for you? Do you have a need in your life? I said this to a waitress down here at Paradise Pizza last week. And she stopped and she said, actually, yes, I have cancer And I have surgery next month. Could you pray for me? I didn't tell him I was a pastor. I told him I was a Christian. You can do that too. Be kind to everyone. Amen? Love on people. Show compassion to a hurting world. Lord, I pray tonight you'd help us as we go forth to be bright lights. The world is dark, but Lord, that just means our light gets to shine brighter and further. And so, Lord, help us to embrace that opportunity. And God, help us to be kind. Help us to be humble. Help us to be honest with ourselves over our own sin. May we call out for revival the way the prophet did. Lord, give us hearts of humility and honesty, where we are honest about our sins, and Lord, forsake that. And Lord God, I do pray you'd send revival to hearts and homes. Heal our homes. Heal our church. Heal our country. Heal our world. And Lord, may it begin with each one of us. Bless our time, Lord, the rest of the week. As we go forth, may we serve you with all of our hearts, in Jesus' name,